Hebrews chapter 8. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 8. You know, it seems to me that Paul, I was Paul, the writer, the writer spends a lot of time talking about the priesthood. The Levitical priesthood, the Melchizedekian <laughs> priesthood, any English maker, y'all might get me on that one, but I think that's right actually. Melchizedekian priesthood, um, the um, implications of both of them, and how that relates to Jesus. I mean, sometimes. Um, you see a verse, and that verse is very important, it's true, but just to have it repeated from chapter 7, and then, or, and, well, actually go back to 5 a little bit, 7, and then chapter 8, and chapter 9, God must be wanting to kind of beat us over the head with something and say, I want you people to get this now. I want you to get it. So, I thought maybe a good way, we've done it, but I not everybody's here on, on Wednesday, is do the old uh, one level above uh, of, of learning where you compare and contrast. Right, Janelle? You, you, what's that called again? It's some kind of hierarchy or something. Yeah, I used to know those things. Are you talking about... Blooms, Marzani. Blooms, uh, taxonomy. Oh, yeah, there you go. I haven't lost it all yet. <laughs> um, so we want to compare and contrast the priesthood that God is trying His best to hit us over the head with to make sure we understand. So Levitical, I think I did that right, and then Melchizedek. Oh boy. Melchizedek. <laughs> Might be right, I don't know. Um, what were first some similarities? Similarities. Priest forever. Timeless, yeah. Um, okay. okay. That would be over here on the Melchizedek, wouldn't it? Oh, sorry. Yeah, so uh, let's do some similarities first. First of all, it involved it involved priests. Uh, specifically, what kind of priest? The high priest. We're going to look at that in just a second. Involved well, the high priest. What were in this case? What were both of their jobs? Offerings. To what? Offerings. Uh, offerings and gifts. Yep, we'll see that in this chapter. They, they, they did all they had to offer something and what did the Levitical priest offer annual sacrifice annual sacrifices the high priest but then they had daily sacrifices too yeah. keep that in mind yeah. as we get to Jesus and Melchizedek all right and now let's uh, what about Levitical the tribe of Levi? What's a big deal? What if I was from the from Issachar and I wanted to go in? I'm gonna think I'm gonna do a little offering, make my own offerings. Okay. Go into the uh, holy place and the most holy place. How'd that how will that work for it for you? How'd that work in the old testament? Not very well. God strike you dead. 
so that, that didn't work, but you had to be from the tribe of Levi. You had to be able to track your lineage through the tribe of Levi. And you had certain jobs that you could do as a priest from the tribe of Levi. Some uh, did the incense, some cleaned up after things, some trimmed the wicks, so all these things uh, under Levi. Well, what about Melchizedek? What tribe was he from? I don't know. What about Melchizedek? I don't know. Um, he was lineage important. No. And Mel yes, for sure here. What about Melchizedek? No. No, it wasn't. It was not. In fact, who came first? Melchizedek or the Levitical system? Melchizedek. He came when Abraham was was around. And he was such an important person, king of Salem, high priest, that what did Abraham do? He offered sacrifices or gave a tithe. That's a better word. Now, uh, I, I, you're right. Offered 10% tithe to Melchizedek. Well, he's a big deal. He was a big deal. True. All right. Uh, how many times, we already touched on it, how many times did Levitical priests and high priests, well, we talked about that too, but have to offer sacrifices, these guys? Every day. Daily? Once a year. Once a year. And he not only offered uh, sacrifices and went into the most holy place. We're going to see that in chapter 9 when he talks about the tabernacle and the holies. So all this is just, you know, uh, this is heavy-duty stuff. If you can, we can sort all this out. Uh, it, it's really good. High priest once a year, he offered sacrifice for himself. Um, well, what about... Uh, who, who is which one of these would be important? Well, important. Which one would apply mainly to Jesus? Melchizedek or Levi? What what tribe was was what tribe was Jesus from? Judah. Well, that's a problem. That's a problem. He couldn't be a Levitical. He couldn't be a Levitical uh, priest. Well, if he cannot offer sacrifices for the people. Uh, because he was from the wrong tribe, God's already shown when you get over to the when the kingdom was split, people tried to offer sacrifice. It didn't work out well for him. Well, what does that imply with Jesus? If he could not be here, he's a new high priest under a new system. Then what's the Jews' problem here in, in Hebrews? What's their problem? I think we'll go back. Things are getting too tough. We're going to go back. What's, what does the writer say here? Oh, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to do that? There's nothing to go back to. It's an inferior system with inferior priests and high priests. What happened to the priests and the high priests? That didn't happen to Jesus after he was resurrected. They died. They died, and a new person was appointed. Um, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. 
Questions or comments? There, there are so many things here that we could go over. Spend the whole class. I'm not going to do that. Um, <clears throat> is lineage important? <coughs> here it was. Was was lineage important with Melchizedek or with Jesus? How was not. Was not. How many times did Jesus enter into the most holy place? Once. Once. One time for all time. Well. We're going to see here in a minute. He had to bring some gift. Had to bring a gift. The writer says, "Well, these people brought gifts and sacrifices. Well, then this one—it's funny. Uh, I capitalized uh, O. This one had to bring gifts and sacrifices too. What was it? His blood. So, his blood. His sacrifice. How many times? Once. One time for all time. One time for all time. So." Jewish people, the writers say, why do you want to go back? There's nothing to go back to. It's got to be important. Starting in chapter 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and even 10, this has got to be a big deal in all this, these arguments that, that the writer's making. Questions, comments, thoughts? Anything? Okay. I want to hammer it too much, but sometimes you got to hammer things to make sure that we don't get anything else. It's hot in here, isn't it? I know where it is. Look at verse 1. Now notice this. Thank you. Now this is the main point. If, if he starts off by saying this is the main point, what do you got to go back to? You got to go back to to, the, to chapter seven, and he goes through all of these things with Melchizedek, Psalm 110. He's going to hit Psalm to, uh, Jeremiah 31 here in a few minutes. He goes back and says, "Oh, by the way, now this is the main point. Don't get bogged down too much with the details because, boys and girls, readers, this is the main point. The main point is what." What does that imply, Michelle? That he is our priest through God. And between if us and God. That's right. Now, where were these people located? Earth. They died. To Michelle's point, where is Jesus? Heaven. In heaven, as our high priest, doing what? Chapter 7 says, He lives for this reason. Verse um, 25 of chapter 7. I love that. Jesus says, He ever lives to make intercession for us. That's His, that's his goal and His plan right now. He's sitting next to God. What, what does that imply? He's sitting. Yeah, Okay. Is his work, so to speak, on earth at least for sure, is his work finished? Mm -hmm. He's sitting down. He's sitting down. He's next to God. What does that imply? Not just sitting anywhere. Jesus, you back there somewhere? Uh, you might want to come on up. Look. No. Where, where's he sitting? Right. At his right hand. What does that say? <coughs> It's an honored 
place to sit. He ever lives to make intercession for you and me. We're going to see here in a minute, He's the mediator. He's the mediator. Uh, in fact, what do mediators do? By definition, Don't say the mediator. <laughs> <laughs> they go between. All right, they they, they, they they go between. They're in the middle. They're in the middle, as it were. Um, what are they trying? Okay, we've got at least two parties, right? And there's a problem. The mediator kind of pleads the case on behalf of the other. Okay, would you say he's the intercessor? Could you say that? I think I got my spelling pants on today. <laughs> I'll make all kinds of spelling mistakes. I believe I'm in there. Uh, he, he intercedes. He intercedes between two parties who are having an issue. That's true. What issue? Okay, Jesus is the intercessor. I think everyone agrees with that. Who are the two parties? Let me get out of the way. Who's man and God. We got God and we got man. Okay, so what's the problem? Sin. Sin. Well, God says, I know that. And for a thousand years or fifteen hundred years or whatever, I'm, I went. I gave you the Levitical priests, and they're going to. They're going. We're going to see in, in chapter nine, chapter ten that the difference between God's forgiveness, one in 9 and 10, he talks about um, it, under Jesus, His blood cleanses our conscience. We'll talk, there's quite a, bit of, quite a bit in that right there. We'll get into it now. Versus the blood of bulls and goats, just kind of, I don't like the terms, not, but it, I guess it's pretty he kind of, he forgave, but he kind of rolled it forward. The, the, the people who were um, um, the recipients of God's grace and mercy under the bulls and goats, uh, it didn't cleanse their conscience all. This does. 1 Peter 3.21 will tell you that. Baptize uh, and it clears our conscience. There's the difference. There's what, the word what? symbolic there in chapter 9. It was... Yeah. He was doing something, but it wasn't doing the whole thing. It, and it's sometimes a little bit hard to, to get into all that, but it, it wasn't complete. It wasn't perfect. Jesus made it perfect with His blood. It's almost like, ah, oh boy, God sort of put up with, mm, tolerated it maybe a little bit under the old law, I want you to all these sins, it's blood flowing, it would be knee deep, you know, for sin. And that's okay for now. But there's better stuff coming. And that's what we'll get in chapter 9 and chapter 10. You know, if 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 we can if we can grasp all of these chapters. And he talks about growing the milk of the Word and the meat of the Word. You just graduated into the meat of the Word. If we can get this. Now, will you get every single detail? No, neither do I. But this is this is big boy stuff here. And big girl. Sorry. All right.
Good stuff, good stuff, good stuff. So that's the main point. He says, make sure you get this main point now. Jesus, our high priest, capital H, capital P, sits at God's right hand uh, in the heavens. Where did the high, well, we talk, the high priest was on the earth. Jesus is in heaven pleading our case. And, he, and it's not a chore. I love that back in chapter 7. It's not a chore. Well, here comes Chris again. God, or here comes Andy. You know, Andy asked for that last week. Uh, Dennis uh, repented of that last month, and here he is again. <laughs> he ever lives to make intercession for us. And he's not tired. We're not going to wear him out. <clears throat> and he has so much grace and mercy, and he has God's ear. You know, I live down there, Father. I know what they're going through. I do. That's Jesus. And he says if we repent, he will remember them against us no more. Do we remember, my, do oh, we yeah. remember our own? That's our problem. <laughs> That's been my problem at times in my life. God says, it's almost like when you go back to him the second time and you say, God, I'm back here again. He'd go back here for what? I do that a lot. <laughs> well, you know, I repented of that 12 times. And God said, I don't remember that. How's he? I don't know how he does it. But he says, I remember them against you no more. But we remember them, don't we? We not only remember them uh, with ourselves, sometimes we remember them against other people. Well, that's interesting because God does. So what does that tell you? Person comes forward, they've been now forward three times in the last year, you know. Well, maybe you're remembering what God's not remembering. There you go. And we don't know people's hearts. If they say they repented and they show fruits of repentance, what, what do we do? Better let it go. Jesus does, God does. That's a big deal. And I'm happy for that. God forgives us a whole lot easier than we forgive ourselves. Sometimes. Believe that? I think so. He's the minister. Look at verse 2. We're not going to be able to look at Obviously, I got on my soapbox a little bit. But a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected and not man. Who erected the first tabernacle? Now, God gave them specific. You see, see that you do it according to the pattern? We get all that here down, down in the way there. Hopefully you've read and studied all that. See that you do it according to the pattern. And as they were wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, how many times did they put up the or erect the, the tabernacle and tear that tabernacle down over 40 years? Over and over and over. Man did that on the earth. Uh, our high priest, the true tabernacle. What's the What's the difference between them? All right, I, I know I'm jumping a little bit, but uh, help me out. True shadow type. Use all of them. What What does each of those words imply? About the ink here. What does that imply? It's a real. Ah. 
Say that again. But there's a real place. There must be something real here. What is the real? What's the real tabernacle? Heaven. It's in heaven where Jesus is a high priest. What's the high, what's what would be the type shadow? Uh, what's the antithesis or the anti-type? Got the English stuff going today. Uh, what's the anti-type of true? Well, yes, it could, could be, uh, and I get your, I see your point there. Um, uh, I, what I'm looking for, I didn't word it very well. Uh, it's a shadow or type. Uh, a tr what, what would be the truth? There's a, the sun's over here, and I'm standing here, and there's a shadow. Uh, here's the shadow over here. What is that a reflection of? The truth. Right? It's not the truth. Is it the truth? Uh, no. It's a reflection of the truth. It's a type of the truth. It's a shadow of the truth. So, we don't want to throw the baby out here with this Levitical stuff, the priesthood, the, the, uh, the uh, tabernacle. We don't want to throw that out. There, there's validity to that. But they are a reflection uh, of the true. They are a shadow pointing back to the true. They are a type of the true. See that? So, because, well, the, the tabernacle and all the details, we don't have to know about that. No, we actually do. It helps us appreciate Jesus. Why do we study the Old Testament? It makes us appreciate Jesus and God, and all His promises. Now it goes on to say, I was going to go through each, each verse, but I'm not going to do that. That's okay. Now, it talks about guarantee. I know it's not guarantee. -E -E, guarantee. Now, with this all this in mind, Jesus says Jesus is the guarantee or the warranty, if you will, the guarantee, I'll use that one too, of what God has said. How? thinking here. When Jesus came to the earth, God promised He was coming, did He not? Jeremiah 31, which I'm hoping we... We'll be able to touch on that a little bit. If not, make sure you read Jeremiah 31. The Jews didn't understand that at the time. Didn't understand all of it now. But he explained Jeremiah 31, starting verse 30 through 37 or something like that. There's somebody coming to fulfill that. To fulfill what I say is going to happen. And not only that, when he comes and he dies for on the cross, that's that's a fulfillment. That's a guarantee of my promise. Now God promised good with me, but Jesus gave us a warranty. He gave us a guarantee that what God says took place, and you can take it to the bank. You can take it to the bank. Guaranteed. 
He goes on in, in chapters in verse seven. He says, "Look at that." I may as well throw notes away. I was going to go over all that. But you might want my notes. You can have them. Somebody get something out of it. In verse seven, for if the first covenant, what's the first covenant? That's the Mosaic law. That's the old law. That's the old tabernacle. That's the old high priest. That's Levitical. That's all. If the first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for the second. Well, what's he saying there about the old law? Important, yes. Lessons, yes. Types, shadows, yes. Do we need to know it? Yes. But it's not the real thing. So as Jews wanting to go back, or us as wanting to quit sometime, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to do that? It's a rhetorical question. If you would not want to quit, where are you going to go? There's no place to go. And then he gets into Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31, particularly, well, we'll start at verse 31. Let's do that, actually. The Bible's its best commentary. Uh, no bells yet? Okay. Jeremiah 31, 31. It's a good way to remember that. 31, 31. Jeremiah. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. When I will make a what? New covenant. That implies what's going to happen in the old covenant. Gone. Gonna be gone. With the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Why did he mention house of Israel and house of Judah at that time? They were they split. Remember after Solomon, Jeroboam, all of that? The northern tribe of Israel, southern tribe of Judah. They split. Um, there's no split in this new kingdom, in, the, in this new covenant. It's for everybody. What was the split among people? What were the two types of people that it was split? Jews, Gentiles. What Jesus did according to Colossians 2. He tore down the, that wall. They call it a wall of partition. He made us all one. It's not important now where you come from, what color you are, how old you are, if you're bald, if you have hair, right over, if you have hair, if you're fat, if you're skinny, it does not matter. It mattered on the old one. It does not matter now. Why? Because of Jesus. He says he doesn't look on the outer person, but the inner. The inner. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand. If you take your child by the hand, what, what's the implication of that? Guiding them. What is it, Tom? Guiding them. Guiding them. What else? Leading. Leading. Leading, for sure. Caring. Caring. You're in control. You're in control, like all those things. What else? Keeping them safe. Keeping them safe. What else? Example. An example, obviously. Good one. What else? Authority. Authority, okay. Tenderness? Tenderness? Leave that? You take somebody by the hand, particularly a young child. That's a tender thing. I took them by the hand 
And you know what they did? What did they do? They rebelled. They rebelled against him. Which they broke, though I was a husband to them. I was a husband to them. I was looking after them. And basically they spit in my face. But this is the covenant promise that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. Notice, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they should be my people. 34 is interesting. He quotes it over here and for the last few minutes, I'd like for you to get your thoughts on this. Verse 34, notice. No man shall ever, no more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. That's a little confusing. Under this new system, this new covenant, this new mediator, Jesus, says we don't have to teach our neighbor anymore. And every man, we, we would have to teach every man's neighbor, every man is, or his brother saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me. Any thoughts on that? Not easy. You have to kind of peel back a layer or two of that onion to get down to that. We all have access through Jesus. We all have, that's a good, we all have access to Jesus. I like that. What else? <coughs> If I have to go to the Father through Jesus. Ah, now we're getting somewhere too. Well, back in verse 33 it says, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. Mm -hmm. So, it's there. It's there. We have access to it. We have a better high priest. We have access to God. We didn't have access. Well, we had access to God, but it was through these intermediaries. We don't have that now. So we're not we're not relying basically on others to teach us. God says it's going to be on your heart, it's going to be in your mind. You're going to have access to me through Jesus. Um, I, I think that's I think that's what that's referring to. Versus because on the surface, what are we supposed to do with the gospel? We have to teach it and preach it. Well, it can't mean that. We have the obligation to teach it and preach it and share it. So it's, it's not talking about that. It's, it's a higher level than that. Access to God through Jesus our, our high priest. It'll, we will have, we'll have access to it through the New Testament. We have access to it through the apostles. So there's no excuses anymore. Well, well you know, I wasn't born a Jew. So I guess I have an excuse now. No, well, it did a little bit under the old law, uh, but you don't have that now. You have access. It's very available. Now, and then I'll go to the next. Um, first chapter of Romans, that reminded me of that. Uh, he says we can know this by, by his attributes, but just look at around us to see what he has made. We have no excuse now. We don't have excuse. If we just open our eyes, we can see his manifestation of his, his uh, creation, his... his Glory, his his love, his care. And, and he said that if if you 
If you can't tell that I exist by looking around, yeah. mm -hmm. looking at the complexities of your bodies and all of the, 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 the way the earth and the star, everything is synchronized, and you're going to believe that it happened because a snail crawled out on it land and became a frog or we had this big bang. Are you kidding me? That's faith. That's blind faith. Now, now that takes a lot of faith. Yeah. Vanessa, good point. Well, to Thomas' point, um, it just makes me think a lot of times that, you know, if you go up to somebody and say, hey, let's have a Bible study, and they're like, no, oh, maybe not. But when you're living God's Word, mm -hmm. people start to ask you, like, why are you so happy? Why are you so at peace? Why are you the way that right. you are? Well, let me tell you. There you go. Examples are so important. Not everybody can do as good a job teaching or preaching or whatever, say, Sean, I get that. But we can live it. We can live it. And when times get rough, People a lot of times will say, "Why are you not panicking? Why are you, why, why are you so happy? Why, 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 why? Why aren't you worried? <laughs> yeah, let me share. Let me let me share it with that. Why? Well, then people are drawn to that. that they that, are drawn. That's where where um, says it's on their hearts. They're drawn to that mm -hmm. to want that peace and that joy. Absolutely. Are we drawn to the news anymore? If you're not depressed, you will be. <laughs> now, we don't stick our head in the sand. You need to know what's going on a little bit, but don't get so hung up on that. That's what the world does. Well, you know, this this earth, this global war, in 10 years, really, this earth's going to last, God says, as long as it's going to last. Don't worry about that at all. Well, what about nuclear? Well, I think this wor a world will come to an end when he pulls the plug and says, that's all I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. And if it is, happens to be, a, okay, we'll just get there quicker. That's very noble. I understand that until till the bullets start flying. Everybody's noble until the bullet flies. They not so much anymore. But that's a really good point. Our example. You know, I, I have a tough time teaching. but teach with you live teach with your life. And you can study and learn. So if they ask you a question, you can give them scripture for that. Now you do need to study so you can. Otherwise you go, well, well I don't know, but I'll call somebody. That's okay too, if that's where you are. Or I'll get back to you. I'll get back to you. That's okay yeah. for now. But guess what? Get back to them. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Scott. The woman at the well, she said, come, like, you know, come to the teachers. So, you know, they don't have to come to services. They can, you know, if I'm for you know, someone that you trust, whether it's Sean or somebody else in this congregation, to sit down and show them together as you're the friend, mm -hmm. even though you may not, you know, know something. And then um, going back to uh, the point about we're making about writing on their hearts, and then you started talking about, um, uh, I thought about this before you said this, but um, talked about a war and things. What helps me remind me of this, too, as far as a story in my mind is, men and women that, or specifically men, remembering and writing down the words of God and like confining it to almost an entire Bible, just from memory. Um, and there are just like tons of stories like that because yeah. they knew, because um, it was on their hearts actually, I think like, mm -hmm. we don't want to lose that, so that if, you know, we don't have, because for them okay. it was all oral. 
Yeah. So like we're so blessed to be able to have something that's physical and so readily available. Uh, no, that, that that's a good point. Here's I'll suggest this to you. Uh, this is a this doesn't cost anything. It's all by the way, free of charge. As our bell's about to ring, we had a wonderful class, thanks to you all. Once per week, pick out a Bible verse. I, I was doing this when I was in my 20s, and memorize a lot. Pick out one Bible verse, put it on a little 3 by 5 card, tape it, if your wife will let you, tape it to the mirror of your bathroom. Don't have to be that to be anywhere. For one week. If all you do is brush your teeth twice a day, comb your hair, read that verse. Two, three, four times, just passing by. In seven days, that is burnt into your brain housing group. So well, I can't I can't memorize script. Yes, you can. And how many of you memorized in one year if you did that? 52 verses. Now, if that's 52 more than you know now, bonus. Simple. We make it too complex sometimes. Pick a verse, write it, type it on a card, stick it somewhere where you're going to see it several times a day, once a week, and next week get you another one. You'd be amazed where you are in 52 weeks or 104 weeks. I don't know the Bible. Well, you can know it. You can know it. There was an old-timey preacher, long dead, standing at the door. <clears throat> a woman came out and said, because he was a, sometimes he could just do the whole lesson every moment in the Bible. And, he had, and the woman said, you know what? I'd give a lifetime to know the Bible like you. He said, I did. I did. So, if you, maybe you play around with it a little bit. Well, you stop playing around. And get serious, because the Lord is coming back one of these days, and we don't know when He's coming. So, if that's all you can do is one a week, seven days, you might read that thing 20, 25 times in a week. Trust me, you got it. You got it forever. Okay, like I said, that's free. What does it have to do with uh, Hebrews 8? Not much. That's okay. That's okay. Questions, comments? Flower marks. Wednesday night, we're going to make sure you got the first eight chapters locked away, no notes. We're going to, we're going to uh, see how your memory is on the first eight chapters. And I may not go in sequence like Greg did. So, well, that's not fair. Okay. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, it's a really good class.